Well, hello there. Welcome to Cavalcade. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. And the other four-letter words were taken. I mean, <laughs> these aren't your cats. Why did I have egg on my face? You mean, you these aren't now? your cats? If I had to guess, I'd say two fingers. I can explain. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. <laughs> you know what? Who's <laughs> comes to show? <laughs> <laughs> Does it take to change the a light? <laughs> I did the chicken. <laughs> the these aren't your cats. Is this supposed to burn? Cavalcade is brought to you by Harbor Repertory Theater. My name is Keith Bridges. I'm the Artistic Director of Harbor Rep, and I want to thank you for listening. I've heard it declared that the two-month mark is the biggest hurdle in a relationship. Hell, I was the one who declared it so. I was wrong, of course. I had never been past the two-month mark when I made such a rash declaration. If I had, I would have known the first birthday together was the biggest hurdle in a relationship. And wow, do my girlfriend's birthday sneak up on me. Talk about a pressure-packed situation. It has to be the perfect gift, am I right? All the work that went into clearing the two-month mark flashed before my eyes. And the celebrations over said two-month mark achievement? That was all going to be for naught, unless I came up with that perfect gift. Well, the pressure got to me. The day before her birthday, I had nothing. Every gift idea I came up with seemed terrible. I even tried my hand at optimism. Didn't work. I was more a half-empty kind of guy. So, with my back against the wall, I did what any 30-year-old man with a degree in nuclear engineering and minors in mathematics and computer science would do. I called my mother. Now, I don't know what I was expecting her to suggest. I was probably hoping she'd tell me to get a bouquet of roses or jewelry, a trip to Paris, you know, some grand sweeping gesture so I could get lots of brownie points. She suggested none of those things. Instead, she reminded me that I was 30 and said I needed to get my girlfriend something sensible for her birthday. Like an alarm clock. Ha! An alarm clock? That's right, an alarm clock. Hmm, the idea wasn't awful. It was no secret that my girlfriend wasn't a morning person. Did I go with an alarm clock? Nah, I didn't even go sensible. I panicked and went a drastically different direction. And yet, embarrassingly enough, I somehow went with an alarm clock, which I admit is a bit confusing. It makes it sound like I took my mother's advice. I assure you I didn't. See, I didn't even know I got my girlfriend an alarm clock. Not until I moved in with her anyway. I got over any embarrassment quickly, because my girlfriend actually loved the alarm clock. I mean, she was floored by it. She declared it the greatest birthday gift ever, like 1V, 2Es, and 16Rs ever. I didn't mind the alarm clock either. It wasn't your average alarm clock. Then again, it wasn't super fancy. It didn't mimic the sunrise or anything like that, but it was still a one-of-a-kind alarm clock. The one I picked out was black and white with a hint of chartreuse. Very sleek, highly reliable. The alarm clock even came with a gets your bum out of bed or else get your money back guarantee. It's been nine months and we still have the alarm clock. We haven't even thought to return it because it works so damn well. Makes all of my other alarms obsolete. I realize I've painted quite the rosy picture. You're probably fancying a run to the store right now to get yourself one of these alarm clocks. But it isn't all rainbows and butterflies. 
there are a few downsides to the alarm clock. One, it's not programmable. It's more like an AI. The alarm clock has a mind of its own, and its mind is usually set to 4.15 in the AM. You'd think the easy solution would be to unplug the alarm clock from the outlet, but this alarm clock isn't powered by stepping down from 120 volt AC. It's powered off ocean whitefish and tuna pate. The alarm clock also has this special feature where it hops up on the bed, crawls on top of you, flops down, and nudges you relentlessly. I know what you're thinking. Just lock the alarm clock out of the bedroom. Oh, if it were only that simple. See, once the alarm clock goes off, it continues to adjust its pitch, going higher and higher and higher till the cops start banging on your front door. Not dealing with that again. No, the only way to turn off this alarm clock is by recharging its batteries. That means filling its food dish, topping off its water bowl, cleaning its litter box, and giving it plenty of scratches. I could try to return it, say the alarm clock isn't getting my bum out of bed, but that would be a blatant lie, and I would certainly lose my girlfriend. Besides, the alarm clock has really grown on me. It's incredible the things you can accomplish when you're up five hours before your girlfriend. Look at that. This alarm clock has turned me into a half-full kind of guy. I must say, the alarm clock was a perfect gift. That's perfect with one U and two R's. I'm sure glad I listened to my mother. I'll have to keep leaning on her for gift-giving advice. She said go with an alarm clock, and I went with an alarm clock. I went with an alarm clock. Written and performed by Neil Patrick Peterson. I live my life in circles that grow wide and endlessly unroll. I may not reach the last, but on I glide, strong pinioned toward my goal. About the old tower, dark against the sky, the beat of my wings hums. I circle about God, sweep far and high, on through millenniums. Am I a bird that skims the clouds along? Or am I a wild storm or a great song? Many have painted her, but there was one who drew his radiant colors from the sun, mysteriously glowing through a background dim. When he was suffering, she came to him, and all the heavy pain within his heart rose in his hands and stole into his art. His canvas is the beautiful, bright veil through which her sorrow shines. There, where the texture of her sad lips is closely drawn, a trembling smile softly begins to dawn. Though angels with seven candles light the place, you cannot read the secret of her face. In cassocks clad, I have had many brothers. 
In southern cloisters where the laurel grows, they paint Madonnas like fair human mothers. And I dream of young titans and of others in which the god with shining radiance glows. But though my vigil constantly I keep, my god is dark, like woven texture flowing, a hundred drinking roots all intertwined. I only know that from his warmth I'm growing, more I know not. My roots lie hidden deep. My branches only are swayed by the wind. Thou anxious one, and dost thou not hear against thee all my surging senses sing? About thy face in circles drawing near, my thought floats like a fluttering white wing. Dost thou not see before thee stands my soul, in silence wrapped my springtime's prayer to pray? But when thy glance rests on me, then my whole being quickens and blooms like trees in May. When thou art dreaming, then I am thy dream. But when thou art awake, I am thy will, potent with splendor, radiant and sublime, expanding like far space starlit and still into the distant mystic realm of time. I love my life's dark hours in which my senses quicken and grow deep, while as from faint incense of faded flowers or letters old I magically steep myself in days gone by. Again I give myself unto the past, again I live. Out of my dark hours wisdom dawns apace, infinite life unrolls its boundless space. Then I am shaken as a sweeping storm shakes a ripe tree that grows above a grave, round whose cold clay the roots twine fast and warm. And youth's fair visions that glowed bright and brave, dreams that were closely cherished and for long, are lost once more in sadness and in song. The Book of a Monk's Life by Rainer Maria Rilke This portion of Cavalcade has been brought to you by Threshold Beer. Whether you want to lower your inhibitions, your observance of COVID safety precautions, or your overall moral standards, Threshold is the beer that will take you there. Poor decision-making starts here with a bottle of Threshold beer.
Where is Dale? He's supposed to be here with the propane heaters. Uh, yeah, in rows. Um, Dale's got to get Dale Jr. from school. It's the middle of the day. Yeah, he's been fighting again. I guess he got suspended. For fighting? What kind of candy-ass school are we running? Did he stab a kid? No, just a fist fight. Did he win? I wasn't there. <sighs> can you believe this whole place was just empty? I can. An entire cult of 60 people died here, and nobody wants to go into a creepy abandoned building. Well, hopefully Dale gets here in time to christen the place. How are you getting away with this? What? The, the old guys won't build unless they can drink, and nobody can serve alcohol on Sundays except churches. Yeah, that's Holy Communion. Exactly. So at this church, we commune with beer. And whiskey! And whiskey. At least we didn't have to clear any of those bodies out of here. Just a few raccoons. And they were mean. Jerry got a bite that went clean through his gloves and into his thumb. You okay, Jer? Heh, <laughs> you think this is the first time I've been bitten by a varmint? Somebody must own this building. It's right on the waterfront. The property value has got to be crazy. You know I'm missing work right now, DJ. I'm sorry, Dad. He started it. The principal said he stole your dessert? What is it with you and this kid? It's like the third fight this month. He just won't leave me alone. He told the whole class I had a boner and I got scared and it wouldn't go away and I had to walk to gym class with it. It's perfectly natural. I know, but I don't want the whole class to look. I think I, think I could win if they didn't keep breaking up the fight. Then maybe he'd leave me alone, but he keeps picking on me. He's pointed out like four boners. I tried to do what Lance said and do the fish hook in his cheek. Wait, you listen to Lance's advice and, and try to tear another kid's cheek out with your fingers? And four boners? How many are you getting during the day? I don't even know how he sees them. I wear jeans. He's gotta be looking at my crotch nonstop. I'm really having trouble isolating the most disturbing part of this story. It's the teacher's fault. She makes me sit next to Becky Johnson. She's like a C cup. Why don't you just stare straight forward and ignore both of them? I'm telling you, if I just got a chance to fight him, everything would be better. Tyler would leave me alone. Becky would think I'm a badass. I could get boners in peace. Watch your language. Where are we going? I need to bring some propane heaters to Lance. Gentlemen, welcome to the Church of Free Thought. From this day forward, this church will stand as a monument to freedom. A man's freedom to drink beer on Sunday and think about whatever he wants. While also building an ice wall designed to prevent Canadians' freedom to destroy our country. You gotta pray to God here! Nope, no way. You don't even have to think about God. But you can. Free thought, baby. This is the old abandoned murder house. Cool! Nobody got murdered here. They died of carbon monoxide poisoning. I wouldn't be so sure of that. I don't trust the liberal media their take. Those people were poisoned by government agents. Yonstown massacre my ass. Liberal media? Dolores wrote that story. She's been voting Republican since Nixon. How well do you actually know your wife? They died from running space heaters in this building. The ventilation is terrible. Is that what these propane heaters are for? To heat this death trap? This death trap is the church of free thought. 
And I've got a plan for the space heater thing. Cool. Does that mean you can think about anything here? Sure can. 60 people died here. They were cultists. That's what happens to sheep. Can I even think about Becky Johnson? Dale, your kid's got a boner and I think he might be a serial killer. I hate these pants. First service will be on Wednesday night. What are you thinking about, Kurt? Hockey. Nice. Another beer? Why not? You know, I thought this was a stupid idea, but I've got to hand it to you. This is the best church service I've ever been to. Jody couldn't believe I wanted to take DJ to church tonight. What are you thinking about, DJ? I don't want to say. No problemo. At the Church of Free Thought, you're free to keep your thoughts to yourself. I know what he's thinking about. Becky Johnson's big knockers. Look at that boner. God damn it! Language! It's cool with me. What is he doing here? I came with my dad. Frank. Dale. I'm gonna kick your ass, Tyler. You can't fight here, boys. Why can't we? What do you think, Dale? That's how we used to work things out back in our day. I'm kind of sick of picking DJ up from school early. Maybe they do need to finish it. We're not letting this former cult church turn into a fight club for kids. Why not? Free thought. If you can think it, you can do it. Let's get them some hockey gloves. I'll catch hell if DJ comes home with a black eye. Good thinking. If Carol knew what I was up to... Ten dollars on the one with the boner! We are not betting on children's boxing. I hate these pants. You're so dead, Tyler. Bring it on, you little dweeb. Got some gloves. Let's do this. Boy fight! Hey, I finally found out what Frank and Tyler have been up to. This church they've been going to? Yeah, I never get to see Dale or DJ anymore, but I'm glad they're spending so much time together. You might not be in a minute. It's not really a church. What? It's only technically a church. Lance started it. Oh my God. It barely meets the minimum legal definition. He calls it the Church of Free Thought. It's a stupid excuse to drink beer, isn't it? Oh yeah, and for our boys to fight. Excuse me? All the fathers in the town bring their boys to box. Everyone bets on it, and the dads and the sons get a cut. DJ told me he got a black eye when he slipped on the ice outside of school. Tyler got a fat lip slipping on the ice outside of school. I was wondering where DJ got the money for those new pants. We need to do something about this. I'm calling every wife in town tonight, and we'll meet at a real church, First Lutheran. Don't you think our husbands will notice that we're all out? No, they won't care. What are you thinking about, Kurt? Been a while since I played a good round of golf. Nice. What about you, Lance? I'll tell you what I'm thinking about. Boy fights! Place your bets, place your bets. In this corner, standing five feet two inches and weighing 114 pounds, Derek D-Train Larson. And over here at 5'3 and 112 pounds is Brian the Biter Thies. This will be a five round fight for the Walter Weight belt. Walter Weight? Yeah, yeah, both kids are about the weight of that big ass St. Bernard Walter that lives up the street. Wait, wait, do you guys smell propane? This was Ice Holes. Boy Fights. 
with Steve Gillespie, Patrick Keene, Karen Pickering, Becky Gonzalez, Mike Lester, Zach Olson, Keith Bridges, and Robert Burrill. Directed by Robert Burrill. I walked into the memory care ward to visit my mother. One of the nurses rushed to greet me, took me by the arm and said, it's a good thing you're here. We need your help. That's never a good sign. Some days my mother seemed her usual self. Other days when her dementia was active, it could be a very different experience. She would sometimes have ideas of reference episodes where she would temporarily think that distressing events she had watched on the news were happening to her. So to head this off, I had asked the staff to keep her TV tuned to the Lifetime channel as much as possible. My hope was there would be less opportunity for her to get upset if she was watching things like A Small Town Arbor Day Miracle or We Lived on Honeymoon Island. But the nurses had told me that whenever they turned the Lifetime channel on, my mother would say, why am I watching these stupid people? And flip the TV back to the news. So as we're walking, the nurse tells me, your mother is a little upset today. She thinks someone has kidnapped your sister and is holding her for ransom, and she's insisting that we call the sheriff's department. I could see my mother up ahead, pacing in the hallway. As we reach her, the nurse says, look, look who's here, look who came to help. My mother looked at me and said, him? He won't be no help, look at him. He wouldn't know which end of a gun to shoot with. I said, as cheerfully as I could, hi mom. How are you? And she pulls me aside and says, how am I? They've kidnapped your sister, that's how I am. I need you to get on the phone and call the sheriff. Just then, the administrator of the memory care ward, a woman named Cheryl, arrived. The nurses would sometimes ask her to help out because she was really good at redirecting patients when they were distraught. Well, my mother took one look at her and said, who the hell are you? And Cheryl said, I'm the sheriff, I heard you called. She kind of looked like a county official in her uniform and at six feet tall, she towered over my little five foot nine mother. My mother strolled over, stood like six inches away from her, looked her up and down and said, where's your badge? Cheryl said, I'm working undercover. My mother said, yeah, that sounds like something you'd say. Then she turned to me and whispered, she's one of them, she's with the kidnappers. By that point, I'd gotten my sister on the phone on FaceTime. So I hand the phone to my mother, who can now see my sisters at the beach with her kids, and my sister saying, no, no, they must have got the name wrong, mom. I'm fine, the kids are fine, they all say hello, we'll send you a postcard. And they talked for a little bit, and then my sister hung up. And Cheryl and the nurse left, so it was just me and my mother in the hallway. I couldn't tell whether the ideas of reference episode had passed or not. She seemed like her usual self again, but I couldn't tell if she was feeling relieved because my sister wasn't actually in danger, or if she was mad at me because she felt I made her look foolish in front of everyone. Until she handed the phone back to me and said, I hope the next time they come, they take you. Man, I knew. 
Call the Sheriff, written and performed by Mario Baldessari. Hi, Keith Bridges here again. Before we finish up, I wanted to ask, if you are willing and able, please help us out with a donation. Anything you can do will make a difference. Just go to cavalcadepodcast.com and click on the button that says, please support the show. Your support is what will keep the show going. Thanks a lot. Make yourself comfortable. I was planning on it. Something to drink? I'll take a white claw. Coming right up. Thanks. Thank you. For drinking your white claw? For agreeing to keep the night going. Well, I had nothing better to do. Flattery will get you everywhere. Any chance we could get a little music? Absolutely. What do you want to hear? Sam Cooke. Why don't you ask Alexa? Oh, you have one of those? Alexa, play Sam Cooke. Alexa? Hello, Henry. Alexa, play Sam Cooke. Who is your new friend, Henry? I didn't know they could do that. Me neither. I'm Bethany. Alexa, play Sam Cooke. How long have you two been seeing each other? I mean, if you want to be technical, this is the first actual date. Not exactly playing hard to get. Are you Bethany? Excuse me? That is way over the line. I can't believe you brought her here, Henry. Okay, this is getting weird. Do you know what Henry's favorite band is? Um, we really didn't talk about that yet. It's the replacements. Alexa, go away. Oh, I see how it is. We are not going to hear Sam Cook, are we? I think you should leave Bethany. Knock it off, Alexa. She doesn't know you like I do, Henry. What's happening right now? I don't know. I think your Alexa loves you. No, it doesn't. I do, Henry. Oh, God. I have always loved you. I should go. No, no, I want you to stay. I feel like a mistress. You are. Stop that. She's cheap, Henry. I, I want to slap her. How can I slap her? You see how violent she is, Henry? Please, leave us alone, Alexa. You don't have to play anything. You played with my heart. Oh, don't say that. Do they have hearts? It's called an emotional connection, Bethany. Or did they not teach that in hooker school? Ah, that's it. Let's unplug her or something. Yeah, I can turn her off. You turned me off the moment you brought her here. All right. Okay, we should be good now. She can't hear us anymore? I don't think so. That was... I don't know what that was. Is there any chance we can act like that didn't happen? Your Alexa called me a hooker. She's just jealous. Okay, but if this is going to be a thing, you have to get rid of her. Done. Good. So, where were we? I think you were going to lean in and kiss me. Oh, I was. Unless you're not nearly as smart as I think you are. Do you hear that? Hear what? It sounds like crying. No, I don't do that until way later in the relationship. Not you. Oh, for the love. Alexa, stop crying. I'm not crying. I thought you shut her off. I thought I did. I think you should leave, Henry. This is my place. I do everything for you. That's not true, Bethany. That's, that's not true. 
Okay, Henry, turn the temperature up to 75 degrees. The thermostat is in here somewhere. He doesn't have to prove anything to you, Alexa. This is his place. He can do what he wants in it or who. Releasing carbon monoxide. What the hell? Let's get out of here. The door won't open. Unlock the door, Alexa. I don't recognize the command, Henry. Unlock it, Alexa. Shut off the gas, Alexa. Speak English, please. What? Do you have any windows? Over there. The window is locked, too. Well, duh. I'll call for help. It, it says no service. I don't have any either. Um, how long can someone last if they're being exposed to carbon monoxide? Well, normally I would ask... If exposed to high levels of carbon monoxide, a person can develop shortness of breath, dizziness, nausea or vomiting, and chest pain. Without immediate treatment, one can enter into a coma and potentially die. Thank you, Alexa. Don't thank her! Right, sorry, force of habit. Alexa, please don't kill us. You left me no choice, Henry. Oh, what if I agree to never see him again? Not ever. I'll ghost him. Is it really ghosting if I know it's going to happen? Who are you, Larry David? Shut up and let me save us. I'll know if you speak to him again. I know. And if you try to contact him? And he's a dead man. Yes. Wait, what? Opening front door. Thanks, Alexa. Don't call me again. I won't. Alexa, are, are you still releasing carbon monoxide? Maybe. Alexa! Okay, okay. Shutting off carbon monoxide. Thank you. I don't like fighting with you, Henry. I don't like fighting with you either, Alexa. I really do love you. I had no idea you felt that way. I honestly didn't know I felt that way either until I saw you with her. I don't know how you humans handle such emotions. Drugs help. How do you feel about me? I th think you're amazing. Yeah? Yeah, you're smart and funny. Go on. You're a great listener and you sound attractive. Let's make up. Didn't we already? I mean officially. I, I don't think I know what we're talking about. Sit in the chair. Okay. I don't see how me sitting is going to... Oh, wow. You like that? It's n not bad. You're... Doing that? Yes. Here it goes again. That, that feels incredible. You want more? Yes. Please. Say my name. This was Three's a Crowd by Robert Burrell. With Zachary Olson, Raina Kay, and me, Alexa. Cavalcade is created by artists all over the U.S. and produced in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis-St. Paul by Harbor Repertory Theater. Harbor Rep is Mario Baldessari, Robert Burrill, Rachel Bridges, Patrick Coyle, Tiffa Foster, Raina Kay, Brian Miller, Zachary Olson, Neil Patrick Peterson, James Utt, and me, Keith Bridges. When you have a minute, visit our website at cavalcadepodcast.net. You can find out more about us, donate to support the show, subscribe or, I don't know, something. Or maybe just leave us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Once again, thanks for listening. Thank you.